Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. We are in the midst of a series on Sunday morning here. Um, we just launched last Sunday in the book of uh, the epistles of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John at the very end of your Bible, um, right before uh, Revelation and before the little book of Jude. And these are the epistles, the letters that the Apostle John wrote to the churches that he had oversight over that were found in Asia Minor um, at the time. This is Apostle John, one of the inner circle with Jesus, uh, Peter, James, and John. He wrote the Gospel of John as well. He wrote these letters, though, later in his life. He was upper 80s, maybe even early 90s. And he's writing to a church that was under pressure, was under heavy persecution, Uh, by the government at the time, and also just inner turmoil. There's a lot of false teaching, a lot of craziness going on in the church. So he's writing as a spiritual father, as a pastor to the church, right, to bring them back, right, to what healthy church is all about. He is the apostle of love, right? He's the one, the beloved, right, disciple who just couldn't get enough of leaning on Jesus' shoulder. Um, He's the one that gives us the most language, obviously, as we're going to see here in 1 John about love he, and breaking that down um, for us. So we're just on this journey. This is love is what this series is called. And um, just hope that you'll journey with us. And just these are short letters, uh, first, second, third John. Just encourage you to take time, read and read these things and uh, come and journey with us as we kind of dive deep. I'm on, only going to cover um, a couple verses each week. Um, we'll have some other guest teachers and we'll have broader topics in the midst of this series, but um, uh, we're going to try to uh, journey together um, on this. So this morning, we're going to be looking at just a couple verses um, and this issue of how do we know we are walking in God's light? John, of all the writers, talks about um, the light of God. And I don't have time this morning to go back theologically It goes all the way back to Genesis 1, the beginning, right? We just came out of a series in Genesis and where God created light, right, into the darkness as he started this wonderful creation. And you can track light all the way through Jesus, right? And John 8 says, I am the light of the world. In the Sermon on the Mount, what does he tell his followers? You are the light of the world. You carry this light. In 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, if you've been born again, if you know Jesus, is that you no longer are of the night or of the darkness. You have been rescued right out of that and you've been brought into the kingdom of light, right? And so it, it just permeates this, this whole, all of the scripture, this idea of light and darkness. And folks, the very rhythm of light, nighttime is dark, during the day is light. We know in the book of Revelation, when God restores this earth, we know that the glory of God will be here and will outshine the sun. There will no longer be any night. And there's so many um, themes here. The idea of being awakened, the idea of meeting Jesus, right? Being illuminated by his glory and his light and his love. All of this, right, um, comes together. And so what I want to do is I want to read these verses for us. And then we're going to dive in and just kind of really try to go after this idea as a church body. How do I know deeply, very truthfully, if I'm walking in God's light. How do I know? So Father, we ask you to come now and to uh, speak to us through your word, Lord. Um, Lord, open our eyes, open our hearts 
May we learn, Lord, from your word, Father. May you come. You promise you're among us when we gather together in worship, Lord. And uh, as your church, as your people, Lord, loving each other and listening to you, God, that you speak, that you move, Lord, and that you transform souls and lives, Lord, for your glory. You bring deliverance. You bring joy. And uh, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would come. In a very tangible way. Lord, you know where every heart is here this morning. And uh, Lord, you come with your love. You come with your truth. Lord, to come and minister to us. You desire, Lord, to have fellowship with us. May we just be overwhelmed with that reality, Lord. Come, Lord. We want fellowship with you. Come and speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, 1 John chapter 1. We're just going to look at verses 5 through 7 this morning. And I have it on the screen for us. Here we go. John says this. This is the message. Remember, John's writing as a shepherd, as a, as a older man, a spiritual father with a heart who longs, who loves deeply the church, his people, the children of God, the family of God. He says, this is the message we've heard from him and proclaimed to you. That God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. The Word of God. Um, All right. Man, there's a lot here. John also, as a writer, packs more into just a little few verses than, than many of the writers. And uh, so there's plenty for us to uh, unpack here this morning in these couple verses. Um, but I want us to really hone in on this larger um, question of how do we know we're walking in the light? But to frame that, before I get into some practical things in the text, I, I just I want to frame this, what we're doing here, in light of what we're going to do after this in Alpha. There's great confusion today in the church, and even among God's people, the difference between church and outreach. Or church, right, how we're to speak as believers with one another and what does fellowship look like among those who believe in Jesus versus how we are to live out there, right, in the world. And all kinds of, of different ideas about what church should be. And, um, and I just uh, want to, to talk a little bit about this so we understand. Jesus, one of the amazing things about Jesus was that he never got locked into what I'm going to call formulaic language. He never got caught into just spouting off, right, what he knows, some knowledge about God. When Jesus, one of the things you read about him is, is it was always relational, transformative language. In other words, it was led by the Spirit of God. In other words, what we, when we read Jesus, one of the profound things we encounter is that he engaged people very personally right where they were at. He focused. He didn't put a big grandstand on. He, you didn't see him. Matter of fact, when the crowds built that he taught to, He did everything he could do to preach that crowd down and say, you come follow me. He made it very personal. And most of his life, he was focused on smaller groups of people, intimate language. We never see Jesus go wave his arm and everybody be healed. That's not how he operated. This is very important to understand. He focused 
on the individual. He gave an individual complete attention and love. And folks, that tells us something. We see John is the one who captures this idea. And we see John use this language of face-to-face. John says, I I long to be with you face-to-face. This is why Jesus came when he did. This is the primary context of ministry and relationship that we should learn, which is face-to-face, right? Is to restore that understanding of, of ministry. But here's the deal is unfortunately, right, in the church and what Christians are known for kind of out there is more what I'm going to call formulaic language. Just regurgitating what we heard or what we read in the Bible without the context of being changed by it first. Remember, Jesus does not tell his followers to go out and be a theologian and go out there and tell people how much you know. He said, go out and be my witness. Share with people. How God has loved you. Now there's a radical difference here. And because when we're sharing with people out there, right? Or people we engage with, you know, family, whoever, right? Outside the church, right? Is, he says, be a witness. Just share the light. Share what Jesus has done. And that means I have to have some personal engagement of what is God doing in my life. This is a real sobering Uh, wake up, right? Well, I I need to make sure that, uh, boy, is this real in my life? Because just to be honest, this is what the world, and let's just talk about our immediate culture, has had enough of, which is coming, here is a bunch of knowledge, here's a bunch of stuff about God, here's a bunch of truth maybe, but guess what? There's not a transformed life behind it. Does this make sense? Right? So we're going to talk about it here. This is dishonest spirituality, right? And it permeates the church today. Now, the flip side of this, right, is to understand the difference between when the church gathers together versus when, and this is a great example this morning because we're we're making a big shift. This is church. All are welcome. But this time is we are here as those who follow Jesus and come to give him all praise, all glory. The focus at church is Jesus. It is him and giving him glory and worship and praise and we're here to hear his word we're here to love each other and to push it and encourage each other on to what we say we believe and there's an accountability that is to be here in this time right this is not right outreach as such this is the body gathered doing church and this is to dive deep in the word of god right to learn the will of god the ways of god and his word so that we can be a healthy beaming light of love and maturity that we're growing to make sure, right, that there is, we're asking the Spirit of God to come, take the truth of God and transform our lives individually and as well as a church family that we carry out the commands of God to love each other so that we don't go out there as the number one criticism of of Christians is and be a hypocrite, go out there and live a certain way when we're here and our lives don't line up. Make sense? This is church. In America, we've gotten confused what church is. We have mixed outreach and church, right, in a very unhealthy way. So what's happened in church is that we've watered everything down so we can build a crowd, not offend anybody, and we never get to the fullness of the text and the maturing of the believer and the maturing of love and exhortation among each other, right? 
Now, when we go to Alpha, this is going to be really, really, really important. Michelle and I just got back from Dallas. We did a wedding, and uh, <clears throat> and uh, a bunch of our um, folks were there, obviously. And um, <laughs> how God works, it's amazing. I, I, I get to engage with two different people. Um, one, who's involved in a global level with Alpha. Two, uh, another couple had actually lived in London and gone through uh, at Holy Trinity Brompton Church through Alpha. Um, there, that's where it was um, birthed, Nikki Gumbel in London. And um, both of them, um, uh, I don't even know if they knew each other actually. Um, but it was just like God speaking. Um, you know, those are things, how do you put that together, right? And, and I think he just spoke so loud. And the consistent thing was this. They both said in different contexts, when Americans do Alpha... Sometimes it doesn't work. And the main reason it doesn't work is because in the midst of doing it, everybody thinks they have to correct somebody. They think they have to say and correct, uh, you know, when somebody shares, they make the right theology and everything. And it's more about, you know, uh, the correction, the, the fixing, the conversation. It's more about the formulaic, are we getting through the program, you know, in the right way, doing it the right way, rather than how this program's gone around the world and, and has such a beautiful impact is, first and all, first and foremost, is, is that they learn how to, it doesn't work if it's, there isn't great hospitality. If there isn't just great hospitality, loving people, welcoming people, right? And making it a place, right, where there is no simple questions, there is no too complex questions, but engaging. And here's the three words I want us to hold on to, and we'll keep coming back to this, is listen well. That shows you love somebody. It shows that you actually care about their soul and them as a whole person rather than speaking something to them. Now, I'm speaking to myself because preachers are the worst at this, or I'm just saying, all right? So, um, listen well, love, right, the person. Next thing is, ask questions. And folks, this is phenomenal parenting as well. Don't just immediately step in and give the right answer and say, here's what you need to do. You ask questions. So, that's what you believe. What? Tell me what I want to know. Because when I ask a question, I'm showing I care about you. I'm showing I care about your history. I'm showing about how you came to believe what you believe. Tell me, why, why do you believe that? What happened in your life, you know, that, that has made you in that position that you believe that thing? So listen well. Ask great questions. And then invite the Spirit of God in to show you how to love this person. Remember, you don't have the ability to truly love someone. Scriptures say we love because he first loved us. Any love I try to do on my own is a corrupted love. Now, that's a strong statement. We're fleshing that out. Because we as a culture are radically confused about love, right? Now, I could prove that with statistics, right, in our culture today. But I need God through the Spirit to love, right, like He wants me to love. And, and it's a journey. So I'm being led. Lord, speak to me. Show me, right, how to do this. Show me how to love, right? Now, that is how we are to live as believers, right? This is how we're to engage in all of our relationships. But the context, when I'm engaged, when we're engaging as believers, right, it's a different thing than if I'm engaging with somebody that I'm not sure about or that they, maybe they're de-churched or maybe they're just not sure where they're at, 
right, is we to love differently. It's going to look differently. As believers, the scripture is very strong. We are to exhort each other when needed, rebuke each other, hold each other accountable to the truth of God to make sure that we are, right, the people that we or the, this, that we're living out honest spirituality, that I'm not um, out there living in hypocrisy, living something, right, and just regurgitating a bunch of stuff I learned at church or a Bible study rather than transform life. And folks, if there's anything we could radically encourage each other with is just those questions about, man, how's God changing your life? Tell me, what has he done in your life? What's he doing, man? Are you through, going through a hard time? How's God meeting you in the midst of that valley? Right? We're sparking faith. And we see this all in the scripture. We're sparking faith. Right? When we're meeting with others we're not sure about, we're still to listen, ask, and love. Right? But it's a different, we don't judge them. We can't rebuke them. We, we're not in a position because guess what? We're not in family, in God's family with them yet. Does that make sense? Is to understand when the family of God is based on those who've been born again, who take Jesus, believe, confess he's the Lord and Savior of the world. And when we enter into church in the family of God, our language is to notch way up. And so here's the tragedy in America. We flip these. We're judging the people outside, harsh language, and we're not holding each other accountable to live the life we say we believe. Does that make sense? It's time for that to reverse. It's time for the church to wake up and be the people of the book, to be the people we say we are, and to encourage, exhort, build up, challenge each other, right? To put it into practice, to grow. Challenge each other with testimony. Every one of us, if we know Jesus, we should be able to step up here this morning, give glory to him of what he's done in our life. Testimony. Let me tell you how good he is. Maybe it's tragedy. Maybe it's, it's trauma in my life. And we can still give him glory. And even when we're struggling with him, right? In the midst of all that. Make sense? So I give that as an intro, not only to our new schedule, but also to this text this morning. How do I know I'm walking in the light of God? Um. And so I just got a a few things. Let's just roll through these here um, this morning and talk about them. How do we know we're walking in the light of God? Now, folks, this this is the kind of question that we should be engaging each other on. If you're just coming to church and sitting and then bolting out and not engaging in uh, these kind of questions, you know what? You're going to be, you're going to struggle with transformation. We're going to struggle to actually see the word of God come powerfully and transform life and to receive his blessings, right, in our lives. We will end this, we'll just continue to live this very highly independent, isolated life. And uh, that is not what God calls us to. He calls us to break chains of isolation, loneliness, and to come in and be wrapped in his family, right? Where we experience love and grace and mercy and, and people carry each other's birth. All the one another statements of scripture, folks, you know, it's not first out there. It's right here. And once the body of Christ can live as a family, loving each other, exhorting each other, forgiving each other, uh, then, then we're in a position to step out there and engage other people in a loving, effective way, led by the Spirit of God. So the first question is, to follow Jesus in discipleship, we need to understand the nature of God. So in our verses we looked at, 
says, this is the message John tells us. We've heard from him and we proclaim to you that God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Now, um, this idea of walking in the light, we're gonna, this is the theme we'll be looking at here. This is John's language of discipleship. Come, walk with me as we learn to walk in the light of God. Where we learn to experience his light in our life. The, the exposure of down to the core of my very being, very scary. But at the same time, to receive the forgiveness and love, right? And the cleansing and the acceptance of the love of God in my life. And um, this begins with we need to understand the nature of God. Now, you've heard it before when we talk to people, you hear it all the time. God loves you. He's got a perfect plan for your life, right? All this kind of stuff. And yes, those are great statements. But here's the deal, right? Well, we have to understand what we see the context in Scripture, right? For this to walk in the, His light means that my primary thing in engaging others, whether believer or unbeliever or child, whatever, all of our relationships is to the nature of God. In other words, I can't share, I can't be a witness to people, at least a faithful witness, unless I'm growing in the knowledge, not just head knowledge, but heart knowledge of who God is. And I'm just shared, that's where the excitement comes. You look in the Bible, this is where the people couldn't get excited. Let me tell you about somebody I met. Let me tell you about this guy, Jesus. Let me tell you how he forgave me. Let me tell you how he loved me. And whatever it is, is, is we, we testify. There should be a joy of talking about our Savior. The lack of joy in the church today is the, one of the biggest indictments against us, right? Because we have some serious dishonest spirituality going on. And we'll get to that in a minute. And so to walk in his light, the questions, just lots of questions here. Am I joyfully sharing about my Lord? Am I growing in the knowledge of who he is? He's a God of light. What does that mean? That God is light. And there is no darkness in him. Right? Um, we can't lead someone, right, to, uh, to talk about God's love, right, without talking about the context of who he is, leads people into a wrong understanding of love because most people have a wrong understanding of love and have not experienced the true love of God. And the only way for anyone, any of us to be saved is I have to first understand my great need for God. I have to understand the state of myself without God, right? And so sometimes we have a very weak, and again, this has plagued our culture today, a very weak gospel. In other words, very little about the glory of who God is. Because when we shine the light on His glory and how great He is, what should happen is a result. When I look at that, I should immediately feel like, man, how can I... How can I have a relationship with a God? Instead, we flip it around and all this goo goo gaga, mushy God stuff. Oh, he's loving and he'll forgive you and all, all this kind of stuff. Those might be true. But that is only a very small part of the big picture of the gospel of what it takes to transform a soul. And how does a person come into that light? Right? How do I move into the light of God? Um, and so John... In his gospel, he, uh, I'll just read, uh, we'll go back to John chapter 3, because everybody immediately would go, oh, well, John 3.16. And this is so, uh, it just you see how we throw John 3.16 out there. But again, here's the problem without the full context. Let me read the whole context. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, 
that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life, right? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him, in Jesus, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. God is light. There is no darkness in God. That means God cannot have fellowship with any aspect of darkness. And we all know we come into this world, I think for all of us, we got some darkness. And we know there's darkness in this world. So how does a God who doesn't have fellowship with, with darkness have fellowship with this world? And he says, God so loved it. He sent his only son. Right? But isn't it true that the dark, we like the darkness? And so how do I know? Just the last, there's so much we could say here. How do I know? Just deep questions as a believer that I am walking in the light of God. Is it, it's right here. Remember our statement we throw out all the time. Nothing hidden can be healed. If I'm not willing to be exposed, I am not walking with God. If I'm not willing to be exposed, if I'm holding on to any aspect, any decision, any lifestyle, anything in my life that I'm not willing to bring and lay it before the word of God, lay it before other believers to have the light of God shine on it, expose it, and heal and cleanse and forgive it. It's the only way we transform. I got I to gotta expose it. Right. And this is why Jesus, when he began his ministry, he says, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Turn from the darkness. Turn to the light. And so that's a big question, isn't it? For all of us. And this is where the hypocrisy comes. To think that I can come say I'm a believer, but to walk out there and continue in uh, whatever, just go down the list of any darkness, is, John says, you're a liar. I'm a liar. I say I have fellowship with God, but I'm not willing to let his light come and expose my heart. And folks, man, if there's anything I know from firsthand experience, and we've all been here, right? We've all been here. Right, Every one of us have done this, right? I have done this, right? Where I know, oh, God, and I try my best to just kind of not deal with that. And I shove it, sweep it under the rug, just kind of leave that alone, right? I'm not going to bring that up. And man, what does it happen? We get out of communion with God. We get out of fellowship with God, right? Does it make sense, Good. It's a big question. For us to think about. So here's the next one. Be open to having our dishonest spirituality exposed by the light. And he goes on as we just read, right? And he says, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him. In other words, if we say we, we and that word last week I was throwing the word koinonia. That's the Greek word for fellowship, right? Um, if we say we have fellowship with him. While we walk in darkness, we lie. We do not practice the truth. 
And folks, this is where we have to, right, encourage each other and hold each other to the truth. This is the only way we grow, right? And folks, this is just radical in the context of a culture, right, that holds no one responsible for anything, right? Oh, we can't, oh, we can't say that. We, we can't hold them. The church is to lead the way on this. Because you can't, what does Hebrews 12 says is that a father, if he doesn't discipline his children, he does not love them. To not hold someone accountable to the truth is to not love them, right? And, uh, and we're to do that with one another lovingly, right? And we need, again, we, it, it, this is all mutual. We have to be willing to be exposed like, ah, Lord, here's my heart. Here's my thoughts. Here's my struggle. And let your light shine. I want freedom. I want that forgiveness. I want that love. I want that transformation. I want to invite God in. And folks, at the very core of rebellion is simply not allowing God to come and to reign and rule His life in my life. Right? All the way back to the garden. Nothing new to the sun. I'm holding on, right? To something. So dishonest spirituality. We've already talked about it a little bit, right? It's basically saying something, right? That I have not no experience to. And so, folks, we would, and and I am preaching to myself here, all right, because, again, preachers are the worst, right, is that we need to be able to talk boldly about something as it becomes personal experience, as God convicts us personally about it. I'm sharing with you where I've walked with God. Let me tell you what God has done in my life, right, not just telling you about God and how much I know about Him, right, is I'm testifying to you, man, this is what God is, is doing, right? And every Sunday, right, that when we crack open the word, right, it, it should be my week of wrestling and coming and saying, look, here are these questions. This is what God's been wrestling with me on, right? This idea of dishonest spirituality and the idea of listening, asking, right, and loving all that together, right, working that out, right, with, with each other. And, um, and he says that we lie and uh, if we, you know, don't, if we say we have fellowship, but that we just don't allow that, that word, right, to change us, right, and make it, this is making it real. Making it real. And folks, let me tell you, we're all in this boat. I'm in this boat, right? It's like, man, Lord, I need you to break in. This is where we're to encourage each other. We start praying for each other, right? We press in with each other. This is where the transformation comes um how many paddleboarders do we have in here paddleboard anybody all right few that's all the paddleboarders come on really not too many paddleboarders all right well so you my analogy is not i mean have you ever been you make it a boat or something but you know how if you're on a a paddleboard or something and and you uh, you guys got to get out i mean you know you <laughs> explore a little i mean you know uh, or you're gonna make me use some hunting illustrations i know that really hacks some people off so um but anyway a paddleboard. You ever been on the bank? You got one foot on the paddleboard and you got the other foot on the dock, let's say. You can be in a canoe or anything, right? And all of a sudden, right, those two things start going apart, right? We'll call this the spiritual splits. <laughs> this is what he's talking about. Is we try to hold this together and like, whoa, my world's going apart here. And you can't hold that together too long without a splash or injury or something, you know, even if you're really good at the splits, it's just not going to work too well, right? The spiritual splits is you, we can't say we have fellowship with God. We can't say we're a follower of Jesus, right? If I am not willing to expose myself to the word of God and have it transform my life, right? It's how we know we're walking 
in the, in the light of God, right? In the light of God. And folks, the environment of church needs to be one where, man, there's grace for everything. There is a welcoming into that exposure. There isn't, right, this one-upmanship. Like, oh, I'm not that, right? But we know that goes on. Well, I'm not doing that. Well, I don't have that problem. I don't have this problem. That's just spiritual pride. That's dishonest spirituality. Because the reality is, no matter what you struggle with or what I struggle with, the reality is we both are light years away from a holy, perfect God. He's the one, as we're going to get to later in this chapter, we're to walk as He walked. Now, how am I going to do that? How am I going to walk as Jesus walked? So no matter what we're struggling with, we each have a long... We have to, to encourage each other to go for that mark, right? Does that make sense? That's what this is about. Encourage. Come on, let's go. God, this is what Jesus... He's got abundant life for us. But we need each other to get there. So let's, let's go for this, right? So dishonest spirituality. Man, there's a lot we can say on this. And I think just for me, where the Lord has been convicting me is, man, am I speaking out on something I don't have personal? I haven't taken time to pray, listen to the Spirit of God, go to His Word on, and have it really affect my life. One of the things that just is very divisive in the church is when Christians start speaking up about something they have no experience with. Right? They start speaking up, criticizing certain things in the body going on that they don't have personal experience with. Be humble. We all should step back. If I have not had personal experience with something, I have no business stepping into something unless it violates clearly the Word of God, of course. Right? Does that make sense? Man. And so, boy, how do I know? Man, am I willing for God's light to shed on my soul this this issue. Evaluate the necessity and the quality of our fellowship. Wow, what does this say? Folks, this is profound. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, what's the consequence? We're going to have fellowship with each other. John makes a direct connection between our spiritual maturity and the quality of our fellowship as a church. Right here in this verse alone, we just blew out of the water everything you've heard about online church, everything you've heard in America about you can go off on your little podcasting adventure, your little spiritual retreat, your little thing, and you can have an intimate walk with God. False, false, false. The Word of God couldn't be any clearer. There's a direct connection. None of us can have fellowship with God if we are not intimately having fellowship with God. With the body of Christ. There's no exception to this in the Bible. No exception to it. Exception to it in the early church. This is something that we have to recover. And so the question for all of us is. Man if I'm struggling with the quality of fellowship. That I'm experiencing. Is our first thing we do. And this has been very popular. Especially in the last few years. Is we criticize the church. Wow. They're, they're all about this or that. Or they're not nurturing this. And some of that's maybe legit. There's a two way streak here. That John's talking about. The leadership of the church. Is wholly responsible. Right. For before God. For creating an environment. Right. For people to plug in. And to become part of the fellowship. Right. And we're to be held accountable. Right. To that. Absolutely. But the other flip side of that is we're not to criticize that because to make that happen is anyone who claims to be a follower of Jesus, we each have a personal responsibility to fellowship with each other, right? And I would say as an elder of the church, right, is that one of the key requirements that you're to hold the elders of this church accountable for is it says they are to be hospitable, 
Now, the context of that requirement is we're to be um, men and women who open our home regularly to invite people in, to minister, to have table fellowship. And it should be a key question you ask of the leaders of the church. Are they modeling an open home fellowship? Because if you can't manage your own home, you can't manage the church. Now, I'm getting right down to the nitty-gritty here this morning. Right? Those are things you should be really concerned about. And then we say, how's it going to happen here? Because that same requirement is for each of us. Right? And we say all the time, fellowship. How this is going to happen, folks, is when the church, we all start taking on the responsibility of hospital. Because the first thing we do is, man, well, so I've never been invited to somebody's home. First thing you need to do is who you're going to invite to your house. God only moves. He doesn't, he, what would it, God does not do well with grumblers, whiners. Look what happened to Israel in the desert. Whining and grumbling will not get you anywhere with God. It will bring disbelief into your heart. What I say is if I'm not experiencing something, all right, God, let's do this. I've got responsibility. Who are we going to, how are we going to start this fellowship? You might have a tiny little apartment. Who am I going to invite over have coffee? You know what? God's going to meet you in that place. And he's going to open up an avenue of friendship and fellowship like, whoa, he promises to. And so there's this intimate connection. Does that make sense, gang? So much we could say. We're going to dive into this, right? Again, it's a two-way street, right? Is we can't criticize the church if we're not modeling ourselves. But we need to hold the leadership accountable, right? To are they modeling in their own personal lives an open home, a hospitable place, hospitable people engaging all different kinds of people, right, in the body. So that's, our, that's a big aspect of our, of our work. Final thing, embrace the gospel and its power to forgive and transform. What's the next result? If we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another, right? So again, I just throw this out. What a transforming thing, folks. If I'm struggling with my own spiritual transformation, then wow, I'm also struggling with the quality of my fellowship in the church. These two have to move together. And so as soon as we we all come to that agreement, wow, guess what? We're going to start moving in the right direction. And the other thing about the gospel here is it says the next result is if I'm walking the light, it says that, wow, look at this. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The power of the gospel will be evident in our personal lives as well as in the body. We're going to have testimony of changed lives. We're going to have those who have received the forgiveness and grace and love of God and have been washed clean, right, of, of, of sins. And this should be an ongoing thing for us. We learn to live in the gospel itself, right? The power of the freedom that it gives us to live in abundance with God, right? Not being offendable, right? But understanding what God's done for us. And when we do sin, we're going to get this in a couple verses, a couple weeks, right? Is we have an advocate who forgives us and restores us. John goes on to say, I write these things that you might not sin. In other words, the gospel should be taking, there should be evidence in the body, in our personal lives, as well as in the body of the power of the gospel to bring repentance, forgiveness, and cleansing, and transformation in our life because of the power of the blood. Make sense, gang? Wow. All right. I think that's enough. I threw a bunch out, all right? But folks, again, I'd say this. 
Man, just some simple things, tools for us. Well, what would happen if in this series we start changing, not only are we changing our Sunday schedule, kind of our flow, but what happens if, if each of us got up on Sunday morning and as we came to church with our family, or, you know, is that we started thinking, hey, how can we love, Lord, how can I love someone this morning? Just show me, be available. How can I love someone this morning? Just, I want a practical expression, God. I want to step out. I want to love someone this morning, right? And you might be saying, well, I need, guess what? God meets us when we're available to step out. That is what church is all about, right? And the final thing to remember is, as we especially move into Alpha here in just a little bit, is, man, we need to learn to listen well. Partner with the Spirit of God. Lord, what are you doing here? What do you want me to say? What is, this is where the spiritual gifts come in. Give me a word. Give me something from you, God, right? And then ask great questions. That's how we show care for somebody's soul. And then, Lord, show me how to love them as you love them, right? All right, so there's just a few things for us to, to step into. So, Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. And, Father, transform us. Lord, I expect, Lord, in the next few weeks, Lord, we're going to just see, we're going to hear in in our own lives, Lord, experience your love and these wonderful testimonies, Lord, how you just convict us. Lord, you forgive us, you heal us. And Lord, you you remove us and you change us, God. Lord, thank you for your conviction, Lord, this week. Even, you know the two conversations, Lord, that I had. Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy, Lord. And Lord, for bringing people in my life to just speak powerfully, Lord, what you want me to hear. You're a living God. You love us. You will walk with you. You want to shine your light on us. Lord, may we be willing to step out and walk in your light as you are in the light. Love you, Lord. Jesus name. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.